Welcome to the Secret Life Podcast. Tell me your secret. I'll tell you mine. The best way to support the show is to subscribe and share. If you haven't left a review or ratings on iTunes, please do. It helps more people find our show. And if you want to be on it, please shoot me a note at secretlifepodcast at iCloud.com. Welcome to Secret Life Podcast. I'm Brianne Davis-Gant. Today, I'm pulling back the curtains of all kinds of human secrets. We'll hear about what people are hiding from themselves or others. You know, those deep, dark secrets you probably want to go to your grave with are those lighter, funnier secrets that are just plain embarrassing. Really, the how, what, when, where, why of it all. Today, my guest is Bonnie. Now, Bonnie, I have a question for you. All right, I'm ready. (laughs) Dun, dun, dun. What is your secret? My secret is that probably everyone who's ever spent time with me for about 25 years didn't know that I had already had a drink by the time we had our conversation, no matter what time of day it was. Wow. Okay. So you, when did you start drinking? Like when you first had your first drink? Um, my first, first drink would have been, who gosh, probably, you know, like a sip of something as a child, like, oh, well, it wouldn't be funny for her to have like a sip of something. But the first, like, I know that this is a way to get drunk and that's a way to feel different. Uh, that would have been in high school, um, probably 10th grade. And going over to a girlfriend's house after school and her parents weren't home and they had a liquor cabinet, which my mom did not have one of those. And it was an interesting and fun exploration that made me feel different and better. And it made me go, ooh, I want more of that. I mean, girl, I have to tell you, my thing was never drinking. It was men. So I remember at eight, this same high school time where I was like, finding that high through guys and you found it through a drink. What did you feel when you had that first drink? Um, I I knew I was being bad. I knew that it was something that I wasn't supposed to do at that age. I knew it wasn't something that I was supposed to do as, as the child of my mother that Mm -hmm. I am because it was nothing that was in our household. So it felt like something that I was Uh, being bad, sneaking around about uh, that I was doing this fun thing with this friend that we were then going to have this secret together at school the next day about this fun thing that we did. And then we would have ways that we could talk about having done it. Mm -hmm. You know, when can we, when can we do it again? And uh, yeah, and it just, it it was a high. That's a really good way to describe it because it was something so very different from my day to day. I know. Isn't that crazy? Just that little thing. And then keeping it a secret gives us this rush of like, we know something that nobody else knows. And it's like a protective thing for me. I don't know about for you. Well, for me, it was really like, how, how can I do more of this and still not have that many people know that I want to do this? And seeing as there was no alcohol in my house, it was, you know, who, who are the friends that I can go spend time with that I know that this is on the table, wow. with this but know that then they wouldn't talk about me drinking because I'm such a good girl and, you know, straight A student and head of all the clubs. And it's like, you know, it certainly couldn't be a part of my identity known to too many people. So uh, did it just build up over time? Can you tell us like how it progressed? I think it was something that not until 
I was on my own many years after high school, obviously, um, that I, I realized, oh, wow, I get to decide if there's a stock liquor cabinet. Like that's actually something adults do. <laughs> that's so funny to me. But yeah, I, th- I would think of like, oh, I can have a guy over to my house and no one will know. Exactly. You, you know, when you're grown up, like you can just do the things and who, who's going to know and, and who, who tells on you if, if, if they want to, like, there's no one to tell. There's no, it's the, there's no secret to it now except that I had to find a way for it to still be scandalous, I guess, Mm -hmm. because, you know, yeah, I could have a full liquor cabinet. I could drink whenever I wanted to, but there was something about the, I'm going to drink and still do business. I'm going to build an empire and I'm going to have had a cocktail before I work with someone, before I go in to to interview for for something. Like there's always a (gasps) pre-flight to everything. And that was something that really picked up its rhythm in my late 20s and into my 30s and halfway through my 40s. And I I thought this isn't feeling like a healthy choice, but it's still got that fun secret to it. Like, yeah, that it's just the 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 scandal of it all. Like that if I got caught, then what? It's so, I mean, I, everything you're saying, I identify with just in a different way, which I love because it's like, we are two different people, but we have the same behaviors. And you just saying like, you would have a drink and then go to this meeting. And it was like this, it gave that rush of Mm -hmm. no one knows what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Yep. Totally. And, and that whole, like, I can still hold my own. I can still be a badass. I can still run my business and also have this little boost, this little jolt of fun and feeling a little bit of escape. Uh, and, and, and at some point there is that whole, like, well, why it's like cheating at solitaire. Like, what, what are you trying to gain here? What is the, you know, like, what's the point of this actually? Cause it, it got to the point where there's not that, that fun and that thrill because you keep having to stack it. It keeps having to get bigger and, and more scandalous in order to feel the rush the same way, I guess. Did you start drinking more or it just, it just lost its high over time? Like what was the moment where it was in your face? Like uh, this probably is not good for me anymore. I'm going to say it was a little bit of both. It was that it was taking more for me to enjoy it. And it was, um, it was less enjoyable each time that I was having more for it to be enjoyable. It's, you know, it's sort of like chasing the dragon thing. Like it needed to be bigger, better, you know, more extreme in order to feel the rush of it. And then even that just didn't feel as fun as it used to. And so that, that then of course perpetuated itself into something where I found myself needing to, like when I got up, I would have a drink. Um, and it would just like, it'd be a little one. So I'd be like, oh, that's just so that I don't like have shakes or something from having been drunk the night before. Mm-hmm. I'm fine. And like, you're going to work out. You're going to the gym having <laughs> had, you know, a small vodka, like that, that sort of thing is just a little ridiculous. Um, and I think what really started to, to trip it up for me was I noticed that I was not present. And that's something that is just a value of mine that I have always felt really strongly about. Like I'm someone who, when I'm with people, I don't have my cell phone out or even on, like everyone's on do not disturb. I love being fully present yet. I had found a way to be completely not present, even with myself. Wow. Um, That's when I realized this might not be the healthiest choice. And maybe this is becoming a bigger thing than I ever intended it to be. 
So you were this functioning alcoholic is what you're describing. So probably, probably I was someone who could seriously like make, make major business happen and also be buzzed. Yeah. And no one knew, like when you finally told somebody, were they shocked? Um, the funny thing is, I don't think anyone was shocked when I said, I'm going to choose sobriety because everyone had seen at least one time when they would go, yeah, she could, she could stand to drink less. Um, mm. because that last couple of years before I chose sobriety, I, I got messy and I got messy around a lot of different people and, and in a lot of different situations. And that's when I started going, you got, you need to check this girl. This is not just this thing that you're, you know, low key doing at home and occasionally out in front of people. This is actually now a bigger driving force in your life. And it's starting to take over a lot. Can you describe one of those incidents you got messy um, oh gosh, my husband's 50th birthday party. We had an event, pulled together probably 50 or 60 people um, and did a thing out in Palm Springs and had just a ton of people. And he was of course certain no one will come that far. So it'll be like a small <laughs> gathering. And I'm like, I love it. There are going to be so many people who come that far to celebrate. <laughs> so I had this whole great big thing planned with all, you know, people brought things to eat and share and drink, obviously. And it was a, a just a beautiful celebration of him and all of these people who, who, even though he begrudgingly agreed to have this party, they were going to- <laughs> Sounds celebrate. like my husband too. Yeah. Okay. Because I'm like, celebrate me every day. I don't need- Yeah. To I'm like, I, my birthday's like a week long. I don't know what okay. they're talking about. You feel me. You feel me. I know. I'm like, what is it with these men who are like, no, I don't care. Don't, don't celebrate my birthday. And I'm like, every minute of every day, celebrate. Uh, <laughs> So um, it, it was beautiful. And so many people were showing up at all different times of the day. And because people started showing up early, I started drinking early. And by the end of the day, uh, at the end of the even daylight, as it was getting dark, I, I don't remember anything. And there was a moment where I decided I needed to go get in the hot tub and just kind of relax, which was fine. People were doing that all throughout. And mm -hmm. I had my phone with me because I was taking all the pictures all night long. And my phone was actually in the top of my bathing suit. And I just got in the hot tub and soaked for an hour in the mineral hot springs, you know, hundred degree water with my phone, like in submerged the whole time. And at some point when someone said, Bonnie, I think that's your phone. I went, oh no, I have it. Up. And I reached around to where I thought it was and realized it wasn't there. It was in fact on me. And I had this moment of, I have lost all the photos of all day long of people that we have not seen in some cases in a decade that came out to celebrate Keith for just moments. Mm -hmm. Like they just dropped by and said hello and then left. And he was allowing himself to be celebrated and allowing me to take pictures and they're all gone. Oh. And I went, that's an asshole move right there that could have been completely prevented if I had had even one less drink. So what did that look like when you finally let go of the drink? <sighs> I, I, <laughs> I, you know, I, I say I chose sobriety. That's the way I word it. And I, mm -hmm. I choose that wording intentionally because I, I, there was a day that I chose sobriety and knew I am going to choose this every minute of every day going forward. And that it's not giving up drinking. It's not no longer 
you know, needing that drink. It is, I am choosing sobriety, which is very different than abstaining. Right. Because um, I've had runs of like, oh, I'll abstain for a little while or I'll try to be more, you know, I'll use moderation a little more. I had done that for those last couple of years before I finally just said, no, I'm going to choose sobriety. And that means something very different than abstaining. And I, I learned that sobriety was going to be a journey of self-love that was actually going to be incredibly confronting um, because someone who can choose to drink every day for two and a half decades uh, doesn't love herself very much. And if I were going to start to choose sobriety every day and every minute of every day, that meant I was um, going to lean in on some self-love. And in fact, with my marriage, I, I had to say this could actually kill my marriage because my husband had been with me for 15 years of heavy drinking. And if I'm suddenly going to not drink, I'm changing who I am. And, yeah. and I have to be aware that I could lose my marriage over becoming a different human being. That's so unbelievably brave. I have to tell you, many people don't know. Mark and I were together for five years when I entered my program and we, I was willing to let go of him and to let to. go of, cause you have to, I said, I don't know what's going to happen. And luckily I picked someone that was also sober and he was like, you have to do what you have to do. And it was work finding yeah. that self-love, but no drink, no guy, no piece of chocolate cake is going to fill you anymore. That's correct. And that, but that right there was terrifying on mm -hmm. a level that I was ready to face. And right. I, that's something that's really beautiful about making those choices for the, for the secrets to be over. Um, is that we really do confront that, that terror. That is, I could be alone in my choosing this now. And, and that's still okay. It's gotta yeah. be okay. Cause the secret can't, can't keep driving my life anymore. Now I always like to like attach these kind of secrets to the seven deadly sins. So I'm going to read them for you and let me know where this secret lied in these. So we got pride, greed, lust, gluttony, envy, anger, and sloth. So I, I had not done much work around the seven deadly sins when we first spoke about doing this talk. And I, I looked, I looked it all up and I, mm -hmm. I didn't grow up in an incredibly or in any kind of religious dogma at all. So I was like, let me, let me look at what, where this comes from and what these mean. And I think I don't know where this falls for me because I looked at what the the, the way to overcome them with virtues mm -hmm. is. And I'm like, so which of these virtues have I leaned into? Cause maybe that'll give me a clue. The uh, opposite of them. Right, right. 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 And I was like, well, so gratitude is the big one of the virtues that I feel is a major part of my life every minute of every day. And I'm like, well, that's the one that solves envy. And I'm like, okay, well then was my, was my drinking around envy? And I mean, I don't know. Cause I, I don't know what a, I, I don't, maybe you can tell me, Brianna. Well, well, I'm just thinking, well, since you've been talking and you just said that my thing was when you started drinking at a young age, it gave, it was fun and it was light and you got to like do it with friends, you know, that you could trust. And maybe there was a part of envious that they could be like that without the drink. Could you be that oh. light and fun without the drink? Wow. I wonder, you know, especially considering how young I was when it started up, that's, that, that's a really good, a good lead you've got on it there, Brianne, you know, <laughs> it could be. 
<laughs> because, you know, I think we all struggle with, a, you know, there's someone who has it easier than I do being themselves. Why can't mm-hmm. I be myself? I have to be this facade. I have to put on this persona, um, you know, because who I am is not enough. I think we all have some measure of that that confronts us at some point. Yeah. And especially if you, all that growth and self-love, it usually ties back to like, I'm not good enough. I don't measure up. I'm been abandoned, all those things. Yeah. Yeah. And then what about gluttony? So I, I, that's the one that I first went to just imagining, cause that, that does and everything I've read tend to go into the, um, the drinking part of things. And I'm like, it, it, I don't know. I don't know. Again, that's one where I looked at the, the virtue that's corresponding to it, which is temperance. And that kind of lines up with when I was choosing abstinence mm-hmm. and moderation, I was trying to lean into it that way, but then that ended up not being what solved it because I had to, that's why I word it so specifically choose sobriety, that, that, that had to be something so different than just um, having temperance with my my drinking and being you know someone who could make choices along the the scale of moderation or the continuum of moderation, I guess. Right. I just always tie for you know the character defect sense of like gluttony or greed. It's this. I always tie it to having this hole inside of us that is empty, and we're always trying to fill it with outside things. Mm-hmm. So there's this like gluttonous and greed that we're just like insatiable. Mm, yeah, I can see that. That's sort of the, I, I don't, I don't want to sit with the silence that is having to deal with my own demons. So one of the things that I can do to never have to have that conversation is just keep pouring vodka on it. Right. Exactly. Like keep drowning, whatever it is that I'm trying to not face. Right. Exactly. The, the, the truth of who I am and what, what if I'm someone who is so unlovable that the, that the only reason anybody's ever been able to be around me is because I could put on this persona that I am when I've got a drink in me. Yeah, that's exactly it. That's what makes it makes so much sense when you think about it and you tie it all together. Yeah. Now my, my next question is a doozy. So who do you think having this secret benefited and who did it harm? Gosh, it, I, you know what? The answer to both is me. Mm-hmm. Um, it benefited me a great deal because it allowed me to not be present for a lot of things that I, um, that I thought were important and that, uh, yeah, like even even my wedding, like just thinking about the things where I'm like, oh, this is a, something I'll want to always remember and how I'm like, I remember the, you know, that I got buzzed for it or that I made sure that I wasn't, you know, that st- like when, when was the last time that I was stone cold sober kind of thing. Um, I definitely benefited from not having to be fully present with myself. Like it's, it's just, that's what it would come down to even mm-hmm. more than who I could become out in front of everybody else. Um, then the, the, who, who was hurt by it? Definitely, definitely me, but also I think of moments with like my stepson and, and childhood moments of his that never, we never get back that I wasn't fully present for, you know, moments with my husband, obviously, but even just my clients and people who trusted me to be there for them. And I, I would be there, but not fully present. And, and that, 
that is robbing them of something that I never saw as a gift. I think it's because I didn't see being present or being my fullest self to be a gift at all, that it never seemed like it was anything that I was depriving anybody of, but in fact it was. Yeah. I actually have never stated it like that. It is a gift to be fully present. I, without the alcohol, without the drugs, was never wanting to be fully present with anybody. It felt like, I don't know if you identify with this, but it felt like too much intimacy. Correct. And it was overwhelming for me. And I think a lot of addicts and people that that do these behaviors are very sensitive. So it feels so intense when I'm fully connected to somebody else, almost like it's too much. Yeah. It's, it's too risky. It's, it's too risky. It's too much energy. It's too, like, if we think about it just from a vibration standpoint, it's, it's too intense. Um, and the way that I could protect against that is just through that cloak of there's this extra layer that has me not quite as, close to you, not quite as vulnerable with you, not quite as connected with you. And, uh, you know, and fully aware that everybody else has some kind of thing that they do to also self-protect. That's mm-hmm. not people who have secrets. It's just, those are the ones that, uh, that we generally will, will go to because they're the easiest. It seems. Um, well, I always say everybody has an ism. That's my belief. A lot of doctors like to disagree with me, which is totally fine. But I feel like we all have these isms. Like some people cannot put down their cell phone and be yeah. present. Some people are obsessed with foods. Some people have to shop a lot and talk. You, Everybody has something that they do where they don't have to be completely in reality. Yeah, I think it's it's a journey of enoughness is the way I frame it, because I think that we we started out youngsters um, enough and aware we were enough. And then something happened. We did a thing and some adult who's in charge of our care and safety let us know that that was not okay. The way we self-expressed was too much, too big, too loud, too, too whatever. And we were told, tuck that in. Right. And from that point forward, we felt safe when we did something that was performative. So we just became performers, even if we didn't grow up to be performers. And for me, the easiest way to perform the Bonnie show was with alcohol and the vulnerability that came with choosing sobriety was a journey through enoughness of really trusting that I could go back and reclaim that version of me that I really had not let develop beyond early ages because it was just so much easier to have my isms. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I agree. I think everyone does. I, I'm going to agree with you and not the doctors on that because <laughs> Well, because I do, I think that we, we label it something different, everybody, but we all have something that allows us to stay disconnected from who we could have been, unless we have that moment where we wake up and go, no, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to choose to go the route that is less comfortable and more vulnerable and, and take the risk that maybe I lose everybody who has been in my life to this point, because anybody who's been in my life to this point fell in love with me because of who I was pretending to be, not because of who I really am. Exactly. But you you said something that just brought me back to a moment where I was at this retreat and I was like walking through this labyrinth. And I remember like grabbing onto my inner child's hands, like a little kid's hand, my hand like closed 
into a fist. And I remember like, I'm going to take care of you now. I'm going to walk you through this world. Like you are okay. Like that just reminded me of that moment. Cause what you said was exactly that. Like we are responsible for that young child and we can get that innocence back. Absolutely. And we can reclaim it so much faster than we think we can. I think yeah. one of the things that's shocking to me about my journey of sobriety is it was only that first month, month and a half that I was so rattled and terrified that I, I did not know which end was up. And a lot of that is also just the, the time it takes physically for addiction and the chemicals to kind of work their way out of the system. But the, the journey to wholeness, the journey to enoughness actually was way more rapid than I ever would have thought. I thought I was going to have years, if not decades ahead of me of reclaiming my, my true self. If I could ever even get there, I, I was too, so terrified. I had no idea if I could, well, I reached out to Mark at the beginning. Cause I'm like, I have no idea how to navigate this. Well, Bonnie, I'm so jealous of you right now. I'm having envy because my withdrawal, they call it in my program was nine months. I cried every day for nine months crawling at the carpet. It was torture, but I will say it was the best thing I ever allowed for myself. That's beautiful. Cause I woke up one day and I was just lighter. Yeah. I wasn't carrying around all that stuff that I shoved down into my body. Cause I didn't want to face or feel. Yeah. yeah. But I do have one last question for okay. you before you go. If someone's going through similar behaviors that you were, or, you know, connecting to something you said, what would be the advice you would give them? Trust yourself and trust source, the universe, God, higher power, whatever your framework is for something greater than yourself. But I think you, you got to trust both. You've got to trust yourself that you are going to be able to navigate your life in a more whole and connected way and trust that you're not alone in figuring out how to make that happen. Mm. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your secret and your story with us. It's my pleasure, Brianne. Thanks for having me. And if you want to be on the show, please email me at secretlifepodcast at iCloud.com. Until next time. Thank you again for listening to Secret Life Podcast. Please subscribe, share, send me a note, and you can always support the show with a donation on our site, secretlifepodcast.com. Until next time, bye.